The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 38. We are now looking at the uh, farewell address of Pastor Paul the Apostle. He is, for the, you know, most other parts, he is Apostle Paul, missionary Paul, church planting Paul, uh, you know, going on all these missionary journeys, planting churches all around the Mediterranean and the Roman world. But when he landed in Ephesus, it was so vital and so important, he stayed for three years and he changed his, you know, his normal uh, mode of operation and he became Pastor Paul. And it's very precious. So we looked at the first half of his speech because he's leaving them and Paul is basically telling them, you're not going to see me ever again. It's a very sad, that's why it's called his farewell address. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of tears. He's really pouring his heart out to them. So we're going to pick up, this is part two of that message, and we're going to finish uh, Acts chapter 20 this evening. So verses 22 and 23. Uh, let's begin with verse 22. He says, and see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. So Paul's being very honest. Uh, He's being very vulnerable and very real with the people. And what I want to say is this, the testimony, because Paul's giving a testimony of his love and faith. And he goes, I want to leave this with you because I want you to have in the church of Ephesus this kind of testimony for your love for your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So what is, what kind of testimony? The testimony of a willingness to suffer. The testimony of a willingness to suffer. Uh, Paul was alone uh, at this point. He, He walked the 20 to 30 miles uh, to this next uh, city he was going to be at, Esos. And partly it was because there was a plot to kill him if he got on a ship. They were ready to kill him and his enemies would throw him overboard. And so Paul wisely said, no, God's not finished with me and therefore I will walk. But part of his desire to walk was to be alone with God. He wanted to be alone with God. God had given Paul a heavy burden. When Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appeared to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. The Lord gave him a commission, and he he told him what his future life would be. You will speak unto me all the way through Rome. Paul, you will evangelize Rome. It's a heavy, heavy calling and a heavy burden. And Paul is kind of nearing the end of his ministry life. Everywhere he goes, there were members of the church who had the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of which is prophecy, one of which is words of knowledge, where by the Holy Spirit you receive knowledge, God gives you inside information about a person, a situation, or even the future, word of wisdom. Maybe this is, Paul, what you should do in light of what God's showing me, where you're headed. And every congregation that Paul would go to, somebody with the gifts of the Spirit 
would say, Paul, Paul, the Lord has shown me in the spirit that chains await you. Affliction is in your future uh, and, and great opposition. And some even that, Paul, do you know that you're going to die? You're going to be a martyr for the Lord. And yes, Paul knew that. And Paul was not afraid of that. In fact, he says, I want to live my life in such a way that whenever the Lord calls me home to be with him, that I give a glorious testimony of him. I think that Paul, from the days, you remember when he, right before he got saved, he was a Pharisee, he was an anti-missionary, anti-Jesus, anti-followers of the way called Christians, and he held the coats of those who stoned a young Jewish man, Stephen, who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He goes, no, he is not. And he persecuted them and hounded them and chased them and even went to Syria. That's why it was in Syria. Going to Syria is to bring Jews back, to throw them in jail or in prison or have them killed for being blasphemers and following this false Messiah. And I believe that one of the thorns in Paul's side that he carried with him his whole life, can you imagine when Jesus appears to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who is it, Lord? This is Jesus of Nazareth, whom you have been persecuting. Once Paul had his eyes opened, do you realize he lived with the guilt of knowing, maybe more than just that one young man, Stephen, but when you're responsible for the, taking the life of a young man that was true, his witness was true, he was stoned violently. Paul carried that the rest of his life. And I feel that there was no doubt the enemy making accusations, you're a murderer, you are not worthy. Who do you think you are? Paul's carrying all of this and I believe that there was always within him you know, that, that burden, of course, the enemy would use it as accusations, and yet Paul falling in love with Jesus, saying, Lord, if you give me the opportunity now, with all my past and with all my history, to die for you, to be a martyr for you, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do it. I believe that was Paul's heart. And now he is saying, the Spirit is bearing witness to me all of these things. So I want to, you know, connect a little dot to where we are right now. You know, and I have been sharing with you, that I believe we are living in the last days. I mean, we're, Jesus is coming soon. How many of you agree with me? How many of you feel? Some, there's things going on at a level we've never, never known before. And in light of that, you know, so until the rapture happens, which I believe could be at any moment, at any time, it's a mystery. And then he didn't tell us the day and the hour. So we, we can't just sit up on our roofs of our houses and wait to be trumpeted away. We gotta be in the fields, we gotta serve, we gotta love, we gotta share our faith, we gotta keep living. So while we are doing that, um, it is important that we know that, uh, Lord, the closer we get to the rapture, the closer we're getting to tribulation. And therefore, there must be a willingness within every true child of God, a willingness, if called upon and if necessary, to suffer in this world. For Jesus is worthy. And when you, you, and you, you can't wait until the pressure mounts 
to make that decision to go deep with God. What I want to say to you right now is you have to decide now. You decide right now how loyal are you? What is your soul and eternal life worth? If the devil came up to you and said, I'll give you anything you want if you'll renounce your faith, what will it take? Is there something that you would be, you know, some bobble that he could offer? Is there something of this world? Is there some financial gain or being away from the pressure? Or maybe, you know, wow, I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be thought of as a religious fanatic. All of those things that were in the days of Paul and the early church are with us now. So I believe that we have to decide now, Lord, I will, because he has said to us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And we have to say to him, and Lord, I will never leave you. (laughs) I'm holding on to you. And there is nothing this world has to offer that will ever come near replacing you. So if suffering is part of the deal, then Lord, I'm in. And if I suffer, I want to suffer for your namesake and for your glory and for your kingdom. And I want to be able to testify with my mouth, I love Jesus. I am not afraid of you and what you might threaten me with. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I'll tell you what, once you have made that choice and once you have decided Lord, I am willing to suffer whatever it may be, and I'm never going to let you go, and I will never renounce the love and faith and trust I have in you. Do you realize that that if the devil can't threaten you, what has he got? He has nothing, and you are completely the Lord's. That's what the apostle Paul is now saying. He says, and see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. All right, verse 24, look at this. But none of these things move me. So everybody's, you know, with the gifts of the Spirit, prophesying, Paul, you're going to suffer. Paul, you're going to, you know, eventually going to die. You're going to be a martyr, whatever. He says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. Paul knew he was going to die as a martyr, and he goes, that's the end of my race. I want to do it in a righteous manner. I want to do it where I give testimony to Jesus Christ, and I want to do it with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel, the good news of the grace of God. So here's what I want to say about verse 24. This And this is something for us to choose, not just to study about Paul chose this 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts, but the testimony of total abandonment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I am totally yours. I'm totally given to you. I'm totally surrendered to you. I'm totally abandoned to you. And whatever the world brings against me, none of these things move me nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race, the end of my life, with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus and I will testify to the gospel, which means good news of the grace of God. I love this about Paul. He's totally abandoned to Jesus. Are you totally abandoned to Jesus? It's a choice that comes from the heart.
When you think of him, you know, recently when we had communion, and when you take just a few moments to remember him, to remember his love for you, to remember what he did for you, how he suffered for you, how he took your place, how he paid for your sins, the burden of your dark soul was laid upon him, the wickedness of the entire world was laid upon his shoulders. He who knew no sin was made sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Is he not worthy? Is he not worthy of everything we have and total abandonment? Look, is our whole deal that we want to try to hold on to life on little planet Earth and never suffer or die? That's impossible. We, we live, how many know and realize we live in a very fallen, broken world? I don't want to keep living in a body that just gets older and older. I want a new body. I want a glorious body. I don't want to stay in this world as it is forever. I want to, I want to go and see my Lord and Savior. I want to be among the company of the angels and all the saints of God. I want to go to heaven. I want the kingdom to come. I want to be with him and totally surrender to him. Amen? So... Verse 25. Look with me in verse 25. We're going to verse 25. It says, and indeed, again, this is Paul's farewell speech. It's quite a farewell speech to this church. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Paul literally tells them, Yes, I've been with you for three years. They, you know, had adopted him as their shepherd, as their pastor. He had adopted them as his, you know, spiritual moms and dads and brothers and sisters and sons and daughters. They were knit together in their hearts. And he is saying, I'm not going to, I'm never going to see you again because what the prophets have told me here, I know. I'm not afraid I know that I'm going to suffer, and I know that I'm going to die, and I know that I'm going to be a faithful witness, and God told me, the Lord told me, I get to preach to Caesar before I die. So that's one of the things that Paul knew, you know, he had to protect himself, and he had to be wary, and and sometimes he would escape at night, and so that you didn't, don't go on the boat because they want to throw me overboard, and he had to walk instead to have alone time with God, but one thing Paul knew He said, the Lord told me you are going to preach to Caesar in Rome. So he had this hope. And with that hope, he knew he was going to survive certain things until finally he literally got to the head of the entire Roman Empire. And we know that Paul delivered the truth to the most powerful man at that time on planet Earth the ruler of the Roman Empire and Roman world, heard from none other than the former Pharisee, uh, rabbi turned apostle Paul from Tarsus, a Pharisee among Pharisees, who had seen the Messiah that he would preach to this this Roman uh, emperor, said, I saw him with my own eyes, the Jesus I'm telling you about, is alive, he is risen, he is ascended, he's sitting upon a throne, his kingdom's bigger than yours, Caesar, and more powerful and will endure, and this is the good news, and if you repent of your sins, you can be forgiven and have eternal life. Paul got to do that, wow. 
And then, in a very, very short way, one minute he was on earth, and in the next moment he was in heaven. Once he had his last breath on earth, it's always followed by your first breath, the sweetness of heaven. And once your eyes close to this world, they immediately open to the face of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, the word preaching here, where Paul talks about preaching, verse 25, means to declare a message as the herald of a king. So verse 25, he says, whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God. A witness tells what has happened to him, but a preacher or a herald tells what the king tells him to declare. I love that. Paul didn't say, hey, I've whipped up an interesting Bible study for you to hear. No, he says, I received a message from the king of heaven, and I am here to declare that to you. This is not my message, and this is not my word, and this is not my thoughts or ideas, and this is not my preaching. I am giving you directly from the king of the universe the declaration of his word to you. That's very, very powerful. It was a man commissioned and sent with a message. And when you are given a message from the king of kings, you must not change that message even one little degree. And since he is sent by the king, and the message he delivers is from the king of all kings, the people who listen have better be careful how they treat both the message as well as the messenger. That is the word. So Paul is thinking of coming to Rome and the persecution and the martyrdom to come. But he says, I came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and you will see my face no more. Verses 26 and 27, and I'll just say this. The testimony of a faithful watchman on the walls. So now Paul's wrapping up his uh, farewell speech to the church, the leaders, the elders of the church. Verse 26, he says, therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. So this is the testimony of a faithful watchman on the walls. Paul says, I did not fail uh, to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Paul's telling the Ephesians. He brought them everything that God had shown him. And I, I just want to say this. I want to say thank you to my Father in heaven for sending me as a young man when God had called me to be a pastor and a teacher uh, and that he gave to me my pastor, who is now in heaven, and his name is Chuck Smith. And Pastor Chuck Smith laid a foundation, not only for me, but for the thousands of other Calvary Chapel pastors that are around the whole world now. And he said, here's what he said. I'll never forget it. He said, simply teach the Bible simply. And then he said, go book by book, and go verse by verse. He goes, even if you're not a good preacher, but you take them verse by verse through the word, the word of God alone has the power to transform their lives. So you have confidence in the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, and if they read it and listen to it, it will go into them and it will feed them and it will bring conviction and it will open their eyes and it will bring deliverance to them and the very fruits of heaven will be born in their lives. 
to deliver the whole counsel of God. So, you know, if you've been, however long you've been with us here for the last little while, and we're in Acts 20, we've gone through so many verses tonight, but uh, for those who are new, there was a Sunday a while ago, we started in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. And every week, little by little, we've been going through the whole book of Acts. And if you happen to be here within the next probably couple of months, you will have gone through the entire book of Acts, which is the study of the powerful works of the Holy Spirit in the first century church, which I believe God wants to have happen in every generation to every church. Amen? Amen. So Paul was a watchman on the wall, and he says, I... Uh, am innocent of the blood of all men in Ephesus. He goes, I've preached the gospel. I've taught you the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God. And this reference to the watchman on the walls, uh, Ezekiel chapter 33, verses six and seven. 2,500 years ago, there was a prophet, the ancient Hebrew prophet Ezekiel. And he talked about what the role of a prophet was. Paul, as a pastor, uh, was kind of in a prophetic role delivering them the word of the Lord. So in that sense, every pastor who delivers the word of God has a prophetic role. Every church of any size where there is a shepherd, where they're teaching the word of God, has a responsibility as a watchman on the wall to declare the word of God, to declare the counsel of God. And so God spoke to Ezekiel uh, So let's read Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 6 and 7. Let's read it out loud. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. Now go with me to verse 7. And let's read this. So you... Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them from me. So basically, when Paul says, I'm innocent of the blood of all men, what he is saying is the the gospel and the word of God, which is that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the son of God. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. And according to the scriptures, he did rise from the dead on the third day. And whoever hears this message and will repent of their sins and ask forgiveness can be born again and can be a child of God. He says, I told you the truth. Now, if I had not declared that openly, publicly, and in many different ways, he goes, then it's on me when we stand before the throne of God. But if I have been faithful to declare God's message and God's word, now it's responsible on the people. Because if they do it, if they respond to it, if they reject it, they will have to give an account before God. What a serious calling it is to be a watchman. A watchman has to stay awake and alert and ready to sound the alarm when they see the enemy approaching and danger approaching. A watchman has to be faithful, not fearful, because the safety of all his sheep are dependent upon his faithfulness to declare the word of God. And I feel very, very much at this moment and at this time 
that yes, I am Pastor Ray and I'm a shepherd and I'm teaching through the Bible, but I also, if you can imagine it, I have a trumpet to my lips and I am blowing the shofar, I am blowing the trumpet and I am wanting the body of Christ and everyone who listens to where we are right here, right now, the King is coming. Jesus is coming. We are living in a prophetic hour that the world has never known. Big changes are here. Not coming, but already are here. <laughs> it's, it's happening. And look, I don't know the details. I don't, can't give you the day and the hour and all the rest of it, but we're in it. And the church must wake up. And for all the mess that we're in, I know that there's part of us that want to get back to what seemed like normal times, but if I may say and comment about what those normal times were, there were multitudes of people that were asleep and compromised, and even believers who were half in the world and half in the spirit and, and a lot of sin and all the rest of it. And I believe that God has allowed all of this to shake everything that can be shaken so that we would wake up and that we would repent and we'd say, you know what? I'm tired of having one foot in the world, one foot into the kingdom of heaven. I'm gonna return to the Lord, run to the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I'm not messing around. I'm gonna live for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna give in to fear. I'm gonna be bold. And I don't care if you, I lose family or friends or whatever. I am in love with Jesus Christ and I'm following him with all my heart. Amen. That's where I'm at. And look, I know that some people don't like that. Well, I think the pastor's getting a little carried away there. I like keep it kind of even and down, you know, down here. Fine, go. Find whatever it is that makes you feel good, comfortable, whatever. But I'm not, I'm not your guy. This is not your church. Uh, this is, and I, this is not just emotionalism. This is passion. I feel passionate, very, I've never felt more passionate in my entire walk as a child of God than I do now. So I'm just being real, like Paul was being real, I'm being real with you, amen? Okay, final warning, verses 28 through uh, 31, a final warning about the future, so Paul's gonna tell him, look, I'm leaving. I'm telling you guys I'm leaving. Let me tell you what's going to happen when I leave. Verse 28, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, because Paul says I'm leaving and I will, you won't see me again. I'm gone. I'm not coming back. And I know this, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. There are some people that they like to sound spiritual and give certain prophetic whatever, but they're, what they're really interested in is having followers because it makes them feel holy or something and they want to draw people after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. He says, when I leave, and then they come and they want to say, well, you know, Paul didn't give you the whole thing. Let me tell you something Paul didn't share. And they bring in some other weirdness, 
And the weirdness is strange. The doctrine is strange. It ends up contradicting the foundation that Paul had laid. And usually a lot of that false teaching had to do with uh, giving them money, which empowers them, or getting the people to serve them and their movement or their deal or whatever. So Paul says, I'm going to tell you it's going to happen. I've warned you with tears and, and everything. So he says that the true shepherds have to be on guard against false teaching, against unforgiving spirits, uh, self-indulgence, the pursuits of this world, guard against fairy tales, myths, speculations, false teachings. Give yourself to scripture, exhortation, and teaching and encouragement. And he's telling the elders, protect these sheep at all costs. Don't let other weirdos steal them and wander off because they're sheep. They can get deceived and they can get lost. They can be seized by false teachers. Sheep without a true shepherd are vulnerable to wolves. And let me tell you what happens when you get off in a little sob cult. Wolves devour People end up that get lost in this little weird thing that follows a weird teaching and it's a little bit off and, and then it's with some certain guy or special or secrets or whatever, money gets involved. They, they, many of them lose their faith because they get so... And some of you have a background. You've been in some of those weird little rabbit holes. And thankfully, you didn't lose your faith in God. Thankfully, you still love him and he has delivered you and protected you and brought you here. But that's what Paul was saying is, don't let these sheep be seized by these wolves because they will tear them up. So closing, verses 32 through 38, Paul finally just says, okay, now I have to commit you to the Lord. I love this. In verse 20, or verse 32, he says, so now, brothers, I commend you, which means I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. I commend you to God and the word of his grace. I want you to notice, Paul says the church belongs to God. Paul does not say, it's my church and you're my people. The church belongs to God. You are the Lord's children. You are his sons and daughters. You don't belong to me or any other leader, elder, pastor, whatever. You are the Lord's and you belong to the Lord. And he is the one who loves you and gave everything for you which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. So Paul is again appealing to the authenticity of his calling. He goes, look, I haven't manipulated or used you to you know, line my pockets with money. He goes, yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And he closes here by saying this, very, very cool. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul is saying, when I leave, I still want you to give to the work of the gospel and church planning and all of that. And then he adds, because Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Here's what's cool about that. That's not recorded in any one of the four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Not one of them. So where did this come from? We don't really know other than, you know, the end of the Gospel of John says, if everything Jesus had said and if every 
you know, parable he taught, and if every miracle he did were recorded, the books of the world could not contain it. So there were obviously things that didn't get put in. But one of those extra little things that didn't make it into the Gospels, but was genuinely attributed to Jesus, is this saying, it is, and imagine Jesus saying it, it is always more blessed to give than it is to receive. Uh, and and that's, that's the nature of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the more giving we become, the more like our Father in heaven, the more like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And especially Paul is concerned with, you know, continuing to be humble and, you know, giving toward the work from Ephesus and church planning around the Roman world. So I think that's very, very cool. Finally, verse 36, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And then they all wept freely. And they fell on Paul's neck, and they kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And then they accompanied him to the ship. So beginning in chapter 21, Paul begins sailing and making his way the last third of the book of Acts till finally he gets before Rome and tells the head guy sitting on what he thinks is the most powerful throne on earth, the Roman Empire, and he tells him about Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.